Anne and Justice and Timothy in the life of the church. And uh, many of you know that Anne's also a, a field representative for Compassion UK, a great global network that reaches out to the emerging world. Uh, the other lady, of course, I know pretty well because uh, she's been in my world for over 35 years. So a great hand this morning for sharing and for Anne, please. Thank you. <laughs> Wow, that was amazing, wasn't it? It does take you some time to come down from it. And I am desperately searching for two more C's to go with compassion. I might think of them for tonight. You know? uh, right then, Anne, it's lovely to have you here this morning. And just one thing I want to say before we start is you don't think that we're going to have to call the midwife at any time. Um, might not be, but I'm sure we have someone who... We'll probably help just in case. <laughs> Is there a doctor in the house? <laughs> um, Anyone here who might help? <laughs> just so I can feel safe. Yeah, you're Brilliant. all right. You're all right, Anne. You're in safe hands. <laughs> um, you. Could you tell us a bit about your background in life uh, growing up in the own, your own nation of Uganda? Yeah, um, first of all, I just want to thank um, God for this opportunity to be able to um, share with you a um, bit of my story which is really going to be a bit because I'm 30, we'll be 38 years now, so we'll spend days here <laughs> if I'm going to go into the details. But I'm so delighted to be here this morning and also grateful that I'm part of Arena Church. I love this church and um, um, we have been blessed, myself and my family, to be part of this church. Very loving and very welcoming. So thank you so much, everyone, for um, making it um, uh, lovely for us to stay here. Um, I come from Uganda and uh, born and bred in Uganda. And um, I usually say, well, already say growing up, I come from a family of seven. And um, my family really didn't, um, I didn't come from a poor family. And, but things changed for me and for our family when my father passed away when I was about um, 10 years old and uh, so things were a little bit difficult and um, as you can imagine some of the things that happened in Uganda um, when say the father died uh, when my father passed away their siblings and family members would always want to take over things so it wasn't different for us everything we had was um, taken away not by strangers but by relatives so we were chased out of the family house and um, my mom didn't have um, sort of constant income, really. So we had to somehow find somewhere to live to rent. And later on, even school fees. We pay for education in Uganda. And, but, uh, so she had a lot of things on her plate. And life was very difficult. And as, because as, as, um, I said, we were seven. So we all had to be sort of split into different families. And so we didn't actually grow up together in that sense. But um, um, things really got worse as you grow older, you know, and as a young girl. And having seen what went through in my family, because my grandfather um, was really, had a few wives. And so there's quite an extended big family. And so everyone was really like looking out for what to fight, to take, to grab, to take that sort of thing. 
And um, so having seen that, my desire was, or what even a mom used to tell us, that um, your education will be your savior, basically. So if you didn't go to school, unfortunately, you had to end up. She, she didn't have the opportunity herself to go higher in education because of obvious reasons, no money and that sort of thing. So she constantly told us, your education is your savior. So we had to fight. And as a young girl, we used to, um, after school, go sell things, you know, on the, on the streets and stuff like that. And as a teenager, some of the places that we went to were not really the best places for us to stay. You get touched inappropriately, you know, you do various things are done to you that you wouldn't um, wish for a young lady, you know, to be um, done to. But, um, but God was faithful that even in all that, God made a way for us. And especially for me, you know, I, had, I have siblings, but two of them passed away. But um, God protected. God protected us. And even in that dark situation, God made a way. And um, we've seen God's grace and mercy. And he's seen us through very many different things. You know, growing up in Uganda, you have to, when you get to higher level, and unless you complete actually a certain course, you might be better off than really. You might not be different from one who has not gone to school at all because you wouldn't have anything like to do other than maybe sell in the market. And just sort of the, the chain of poverty can easily repeat itself. And I remember at one point, one of the challenges that I really faced was um, you get to a point when you ask God, why did you even create me? Why, why on earth am I here for, you know? And, um, but I got to know the Lord Jesus um, at a very young stage, but probably... Um, having that personal commitment was when I was in my teens, and uh, I thank God for the choice that I made, that I got to know Jesus, because I can tell you, I would be dead, not once, not twice. I know the different instances that I said no to things only because I had God in my life. When I said no to men who wanted to take me for granted, who just wanted to abuse and use you because they see you are in need, not even... Father, away, men who don't know you, but even relatives who would want to take advantage of you. I remember on one occasion, on one when I was at university, I um, had my cousin, lovely young man who was married. And, um, but we know that devil is a liar and he can use anybody and anything anyway. And I remember he helped me. He paid my school fees, I think, for about two terms at university. And I remember going to visit my mom and taking her the bank slip, which was about 200,000 pounds, not thousand pounds, 200,000 Uganda shillings. I think that's just about, just about le- less than 100 pounds, about 70 pounds. And, uh, but I knew she didn't have a job anyway, but she was my mother, and she's all I got. And taking her that, and all she gave me, all that she had was 10,000, which is about three pounds. And actually, we even had to share that. And I remember thinking as a young lady, how is she feeling when you give your daughter, she's asked for 70 pounds, and you give her three? Where is she going to get the rest? What, what goes on in her mind as a mother? But I've always said I've never seen her cry, but I know she cried lots of tears, failing to provide for your own children, even the basics of life. And so I went, had to figure it out myself, how to go to school, because I knew he was my only savior. And so 
this cousin helped me out and um and at one point things changed and the 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 condition was now i had to sleep with him if he was to continue to help me and i remember telling god battling lying to him to start with and but eventually saying you know what i'm gonna say no because i love jesus and I know it's wrong, whichever way you put it, whichever, it was very wrong. And so I did eventually, but I told God that, God, I'm going to say no. But the condition is, if I don't finish my education, I've always been praising you as a wonderful, awesome, merciful, loving God. But if I don't, it's going to be the reverse. I'll just give up on you. And tell you what, God was faithful. He saw me through that. He provided just when I needed it. And um, shortly, just to say that God, God is always there. And God is always faithful if you just hold on to him. And the young people who might be here today going through different challenges and situations, he is there. He knows exactly what you're going through. And there's always a way for him if you can just hold on to him and trust him. That's great. That's really good. So the over long introduction of our background. That's fine. That's fine. Your mum is an amazing person, is she not? I mean, we just heard an insight there. Uh, We all want to adopt her. So when when she comes back again, tell her, you know, I'm I'm first in line to adopt her. (laughs) That was just amazing. Um, What are some of the challenges and blessings of mothers out there? You said some of the challenges that your mum faced. Yeah, and um, I think the, the, the truth is that mums, most of the things are the same really everywhere. Um, mums, I mean, there's a, like in Uganda specifically, there are some things that really mums um, and mothers really face. Things like domestic violence, you know. You find that um, two-thirds of women that are involved in maybe a certain sort of marital relationships, you know, are abused. And it's like, it's okay, you know, that they go through that situation. And sometimes not even by, by, by strangers or by just people who they are intimate to. And the challenge is that culturally, how do you, how do you take your husband to police that he is, he's beating you, you know? And, and like most, most, most homes, the way they are set up, even in Uganda, you, you might find that you live actually in sort of um, homesteads, and uh, your, your, the entire family lives there. So you go report them and then go back to where? To home. How can it be hard that, you know, so-and-so is taking their husband? So you find that women are really um, oppressed uh, so much in that, and they feel that women have no voice. I know a lot of things are changing these days, which is really great. But, you know, those are some of the things that they, um, that they face, domestic violence. And, I mean, there are laws that are being put in place, but sort of things are progressing slowly. Um, they also, uh, lots of single, single mothers, really. Um, uh, I think, generally speaking, men tend to die earlier than women. Um, because of different reasons, really. Um, like my father, my, my husband's father also passed away, you know, and a few lots of other families, really. So you find that women, women are left with a huge responsibility to bring up and look after these children. And also being the way they are in society, that um, sort of access to property and ownership of such things, 
uh, for some reason they are not um, such things are not given to them or it could be like just a little small percentage yet they work so hard to you know to try and look after the children but what they sort of um, legally entitled to is really small so raising up um, children um, um, on their own as single parents is really difficult and many times they are faced with the choices of um, taking your children to hospital or buying food at home, you know, later on educating them. And you find mothers doing all sorts of things, you know, prostitution or even giving up their children, you know, for prostitution or maybe selling off for child labor and that sort of thing. So you find that um, every mom, I think, would not want to do that for their children. But many times because of the situation and because they want them to survive and not be like them so they try all sorts of different things and also um there's lots of um early marriages as well and you find that um children i mean young people my mom got i think started having us when she was about 19 which wasn't so bad but i've got aunties who started having children when they're about 15 you know and i'm thinking (laughs) 15-year-old to have a baby, they are a baby themselves, you know. And so all the related sort of things, medical things, you know, that would come as a result and um, mortality rate that is so high, you know. And uh, so that sort of thing, really. But things are changing now, as I'm saying, you know, that there are things in place to try and solve those problems, but they are still happening. You know, customary marriages, women are forced into marriages, whether you don't get a chance to choose who you want to spend your life with, and you find yourself with this old, old goofy, you know, who just have to, before you know, you spend five years with him and he's gone. You know, and you have to bring up all these children on your own. And it wasn't even your choice. So how is a mom going to be feeling in that situation? And children also, women, young women are also um, taken into abduction and into forced, you know, marriages in places of war, like this um, um, northern part of, um, of Uganda, Lira, which most of you might have heard about. There's a, there's a woman, it's, it's on and off really, I think it's now coming to an end, but there's lots of things happening there that you have children you don't want to have, and what do you do with children that you don't want to have? And later on, you can't even be accepted back into your own family because of where you've been. So you find you're just hanging around there. No one wants to have you. You don't even want to be where you are, and later on you have these children to look out for. So it's a, it's a tough situation, and um, when you don't even have the resources, it's even worse. So lots of really um, challenges out there, and um, polygamous families as well. It sort of looks normal for um, men to have as many women as they, as they want, and, um, but it's, it's like... It, it's a crime for a woman to, you know, to can't even think about it anyway. And that has brought um, lots of other challenges, you know, diseases, HIV, the spread and that sort of thing. My, I, was, I was looking through yesterday and my grandfather alone had about nine women, you know, and altogether his children just of about 28, 28 children. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, those are my aunties and uncles. And the challenge is that now my father was born alone because I think my grandmother, my real grand, I have a few grandmothers, my real grandmother maybe couldn't stand, so had one and had to exit somewhere, you know. So there's a lot of competition going on. How do you build those relationships? Sometimes you just have only your family and can't, they can't all be the same, your children, 
even though they are two, but how do you bring everyone to the same mind? So it will just be really fights and struggles all through that. So I think those are some of the um, challenges. But the blessings uh, are many, and the blessings of beauty. I think women are beautiful wherever you go, and uh, we bring color to this world, don't we? Hey? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> and, um, and uh, you know, women will always... Um, well, what I've seen from my experience, we stay. There is a beauty and love that, is, that comes from within. That stays no matter the situation. And that sacrifice that we always make for, for our children or even for people. And by the way, talking about women, you don't only have to have had a child, you know. I've had people, I've called moms in my life who are not my biological moms. So women, there's something special. There's a beauty that comes from within that I think, you know, is just right from, um, from God. And, um, and the other thing also that is, um, that, that, that is a ble- account as a blessing uh, for ladies in Uganda. You don't, um, there's that community sort of togetherness. You do not, if you have children, they're not only your children. And this, what I mean by this, if um, the community brings up children, so it's not only your mother that is responsible for you, and you can be smacked on the way if you phone misbehaving. You can be taken here by the hand and taken to your home and disciplined, which is really, I think, is a very good thing. Um, and I, I like, I think it's like difference here. You can't touch, sometimes you can't even touch a little someone else's baby, you know. But there, you cannot mark about, you know. Everyone is watching you. They know where you come from. So, which I think is a good, is a good thing as well. Yeah, that's amazing, and we we do applaud you. I mean, you are a beautiful woman oh, on the outside, you. but beautiful inside. And as you're talking, you know what God has done in you is is amazing. Yeah. What you've come through, but you are beautiful on the oh, inside. Thank you. We applaud you for that. Uh, now, living in the UK with your family, do you want to just tell us about your family? Where did you actually meet? Your lovely hubby. Oh. And you've got lovely Timothy, of course. And, and what um, you observe as some things mothers are faced with in this culture. You've talked about your uh, Ugandan culture. What have you you've seen in, in England? Yeah. Um, where's my husband? Can you stand up for everyone to see you? And that is a man, um, and I'm so grateful for that man. Um, he's totally changed my life, you know. And the beauty that you see, um, some of it really has helped me bring. He's helped me bring that out. I was a different person, you know. Can imagine from my background, hard, tough, you know. But I've learned to. I've learned a lot of things, as we. I'm sure we do learn in marriage. So I thank him for that. Um, I met just as after my school. Um, had a desire to work with children, and obvious reasons were for me because I didn't feel protected, didn't feel cared for, didn't feel someone would stand to speak up for us. So I wanted to do that, to give back exactly that. So I was drawn to a ministry that we'll be talking about a little bit later on called Compassion. And so the first place that I worked in was in Kisura, I think, is it about 600 miles away? Yeah, from, um, from my... I'm a city girl, <laughs> born up nearby Kampala. And so I went to work there because there were children there. 
um, working with compassion. And we met, we, there was a band actually, we used to sing in a band, you know, that sort of thing. But interestingly, well, a few things happened, and, uh, but uh, the relationship didn't start until when I was over here in the UK. I came to the UK 19, no, no, in 2003. And some, for some reason, that's when the relationship started. So I knew him before I came here, and we got married in, in 2008 um, in Uganda. And so it's really been a blessing to me. We have uh, three children and, um, uh, um, between us, and uh, no, two, and sad on the way. <laughs> and uh, we, we, we've lived in London for lots so, of um, most of the time there, but we moved to Nottingham mainly because of the job that I do. And um, I couldn't do life without him. He's just been a huge support in everything I do. He sacrificed his own life just so that we could happily live together, which I'm so grateful to. So that's lovely. Didn't know that. See? Uh, you work as a regional partnerships manager for Compassion. Oh. Did you ask okay. me about challenges of mums? Yes. Oh, sorry. I'm oh, sorry. I, got I went on away. to my husband thing, sorry. <laughs> carried away with just as... Oh. Yes. Um. Yeah, um, I think really some of them might be similar. Like, I've had things like domestic violence, you know, um, uh, some things happening here. But the other thing which I really find difficult here is... Um, um, child care, you know, when you're a mom here, I think it's a bit tougher in a sense um, of bringing up children here. Like, um, say, like I'm a working mom, if you have to go, if you've had a child and you're required to go back to work, you know, what do you, whichever choice you choose, either to look after your children and give up work, you might be. You might have that sense of guilt, you know, of feeling, oh, maybe you're not contributing to the society. And, um, but also, if you chose to go back, you know, um, um, to work, there's a feeling of, oh, are you sort of uh, leaving, abandoning your children, you know, and not sort of being there for them and probably um, missing out on some of the important, you know, stages and things in their lives and being that full-time mom at home. So they are those challenges and let alone child care, you know, oh my goodness, you have to work it out. I remember when we had Timothy, we had to really sit down and draw things and say, okay, what do we do here? You have to give up this, you know, in order to have this, which, you know, is a beautiful thing because you love your children, you know, but on the other hand, sometimes you feel you're sort of, you know, straining and that sort of thing. So um, that I think that is some of some of the things that I've realized here. And also bring up children in this country. I mean, I could, be, I could be wrong, but I think it's a tough job in a sense of when they get to teenagers, how do you help them make that choice, you know, of what the, the, the influence of the social media, you know, and the, how do you sort of train up your children not to, who, who will be their friends, you know, how will they choose their friends, how they choose their company, you know, and also, I mean, of course, in Uganda, most of people, if not everyone, would know about God, you know, but only that commitment could be in sort of different stages. And um, but here, their families have never, it's, it's one of the things, you know, it's not like something that they know or heard about even when they're younger. So how do you bring up your children in a godly way? And the society that you send them, you know, is, might be quite mixed up. You know, how do you react when a child says that first swear word, you know, 
I had a friend of mine that used to watch a TV um, um, channel. And, uh, well, and then on my morning, she was like, her little girl was, she wasn't three then, and she just said a word, and her mom was like, no, did I hear right, you know? And then she looked, at, she doesn't swear, she doesn't do anything, and then she was just like, maybe is it this channel that I watch that this child somehow listens? So she had to turn that off. So sort of those pressures, you know, her, and also the other thing is that, there is so much, well, in a sense, um, to most families here. So why do you choose what not to give to your child? You know, you see four-year-olds these days having an iPhone, but do they really need it? <laughs> you know, sorry if you're, if you're giving your child an iPhone <laughs> when you're four. You know, I'm just sort of my observation is that do they really need the iPhone, you know? Uh, someone could argue in a different way. So it's just like, where, where do you stop when you have a lot, you know? And how would that affect your child? And how do you create that opportunity for them to actually appreciate what they have? You know, that not all other children in the world have. So, um, uh, and also families tend to split, I think, all over the country, even in different countries. And sometimes you, you, I think there might be that feeling of, uh, as a mom, being split all over. If you say you have your own parents that might need your help and support, and later on you have your own family. So how do you sort of bring the two together? And uh, I think that could also be um, um, a challenge. And uh, there is television in this country. Ah, television and all sorts of things. Sometimes my little boy gets glued on television and he's like, he's enjoying anything other than participating in it. You know, because of sometimes the weather, you know, the environment that they're in. So I think, um, and there are lots of clubs. What would they call them after school activities and stuff like that? So, what do you choose your child to be a part of? You know, and also, where, where do you stop um, spending? Because children need us, don't they? We need to talk to them. They need to, to be together with their siblings and with their family. So, where do you stop? Uh, sometimes it might be better of just sending them off to this club and that sort of thing so you have a bit of peace, you know. But uh, where do you sort of put the balance and choosing what? you want them to be a part of. So, um, yeah, that's very interesting perspective you've got on them, the two cultures. And what you've said there is very helpful, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. to a lot of young mums particularly, but even those with teenagers. Very, very good, Anne. Thank you. Uh, I'll say this again. You work as a regional partnerships manager for Compassion UK, and we're going to see a video clip uh, in a moment that is relevant to this day, to Mother's Day. Afterwards, would you just share a little on compassion and how you came to work for them across the developing nations in helping mums? Run VT. I wanted to... Thank you. 
Wakitsu and her 11-year-old daughter, Peja, walk for hours every day to find dry wood they can sell. This is their only source of income. Physically demanding work in immense heat, made even more exhausting by the fact that Wakitsu is seven months pregnant. They then walk six kilometers into the nearest town to sell the wood, just to buy a little bread and water. Yeah, um, I think really that DVD says it um, says most of it all. But um, I'm so delighted um, about this church. And actually, one of the things that drew me to this church is that they are we are outward focused. We care about the needs um, of those of the poor. We care about people in our community. We care about people, you know, who, who just need to know the love of God. And uh, it is our responsibility um, as Christians to reach out to those in need. And um, mothers, you know, in, in the developing world have to struggle every day to put food on the table for their children. That is something that you might never dream about here, that can you, maybe there are people who actually don't have food. But the extent, what it means in Uganda, if you don't really have anything, you don't have anything. And later on, the government is not even there to support you or to help you in any way. So children go hungry, you know. 
And unfortunately, some mothers have been abandoned. Uh, some fathers abandoned their families because they cannot cope like in that lady um, 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 in the film. And um, what Compassion does with the child survival program is that they create that opportunity to train mothers, you know, to train them in skills that can help them to um, gain income to be able to support their families. And they also teach them, you know, um, how to look after their children, nutrition, you know, and also uh, all sorts of different um, um, care for their children. But most importantly, also to share with them um, about the love of Jesus, because you can have everything that you need, but except if you get to know the love of Jesus, um, sometimes it's all really worth nothing. So when moms, um, it, we look after from pregnant moms to babies and to toddlers and equipping them with those skills that they need to look after their families. And uh, it could be tough, you know, as a mom. There's a, there's a scripture that says um, in Isaiah 49, can a mother forget a baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget you, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. And, and the first bit of that scripture, can a mother forget? Obviously, it looks like it's impossible for a mother to forget. But unfortunately, in some of the countries where we work, it is possible that a mother, not willingly, can give up their child. You find kids in, the pit, in pit latrines, you know, and you wonder what sort of mother, what sort of heart would they give? But we don't know the situation about that particular mother. Maybe they are really caught up, only that they chose to put their child in a pit. You know, how do you give up your child for prostitution or for child slavery as a mother? And I can say that a, mother, a mother's love here is the same as a mother's love elsewhere. The love and the strength that you feel for your child is the same love that I feel for my children and so many mothers there. But if you picture the, when you're not able to look after your own children, you know, you're probably not worth living. And so, yes, a mother can give up those, but we know. Um, that with the help of compassion, very many mothers have been rescued and have been taught. And today we have the opportunity um, to, to partner with compassion, to support a child, to come alongside a mom um, in a developing world, to say, hey, I'm here, I can walk with you this journey, to help see your children become who God intended them to become. And for only £25 a month, yeah? I think that's about 73p a day. Cup of coffee? Yeah? You can change a child's life. You can invest in a child's life. With that, you're telling them you matter to God. And God cares them. Last year, around over 123,000 children across our projects came to know the love of Jesus through compassion. Because someone across the borders has done something incredible. How do you support someone you've never known? Or later on, you even never, you will never physically meet. So if you're here today on Mother's Day, as we celebrate, you know, we thank God for mothers. And even if you could actually be a mother here, the situation might be different for you. Maybe not the same as the ones in Uganda. But just want to say that God loves you and God cares for you. And no matter how deep the situation or your condition might be here, he is still able to deliver you from that situation if you can only give it up to him. 
if it could be children that you're feeling you're overwhelmed, you know, they're no longer listening to you or that sort of thing, or you can't even, you're stuck in your own world and feel you're all all by yourself, God still cares for you. And sometimes maybe even go to unlock your blessing. Could be that your blessing is tied up in someone else's blessing. Maybe if you come alongside a mother somewhere else, that could be the channel that God could use. So if you have any more questions regarding that, um, we have a table downstairs. Please do come and see me. We are supporting, by the way, a project, this church supports over 50 children. Um, in Kenya, which is incredible, which is incredible. That's a, that's a community that we're part of. We are changing our community, not only here in the UK, but, you know, in Kenya. You've never been, maybe some of you have never been in Kenya, but you're making a difference there. So if you want to be, if you want to join that team that is doing that, do come and see me down. Have a few pictures of children that you can add to your family today. And if you've got any more questions as well, feel free to come and ask me. Thank you very much. That is brilliant. So please avail yourself of the uh, table downstairs and the stand that Anne will be uh, manning there. So we do honour you and we support you as, as a church, as a church family. And we just want to say thank you very much for this morning. It's been an insight, hasn't it? It's been interesting, amusing, and very thought-provoking. And we, we thank God for you and for, for compassion you. and for you. the work that is done there. Thank so shall you. we just give her a, a brief <laughs> And thank God, and for your prayers, I was telling Christian that please pray that baby doesn't come this day. So thank you. <laughs>